Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then move my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. Welcome to the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studios. I'm Steve Azar. Today on In a Mississippi Minute, I'm keeping it close to home, keeping it personal. Actually, as close as it gets, my hometown of Greenville. Growing up, if you didn't know my guest's family name, especially when it came to football, you weren't awake or alive. They were football royalty in these parts. One of four brothers, Wilbert, Fred, Tyrone, and his truly, who played in the NFL, he would go on from roaming the fields of Greenville High with speed and then attend Abilene Christian University and excel. In the NFL, where he was a wide receiver and kick return specialist, oh, I remember the days of watching and pulling for him for six seasons, including a Super Bowl win. It was always a thrill for me to pull for, like I said, he and his family. So let's get it on and welcome in right now the great Cleo Montgomery. Hey, Cleo. Hey, Steve. How you doing today? I'm good. Where are you? What part of Texas are we in? I am in Irvin, Texas. It's a suburb of Dallas. All right, I got to ask you. So you go to college in Texas, and and you end up, you know, you go off and you do the NFL thing. And you you was was Texas always home after after Mississippi and after college? Yes, it, it was. I being in college and spending summers uh, in Texas, I saw where there were opportunities to grow. Uh, as a person and to uh, set up a business and have a better opportunity for that business to, uh, you know, excel. All right, talk to me about that because I'm I'm going backwards now. My my list has you growing up, the typical, we're going to be linear, but let's just go ahead and come come off the cuff a little bit. Business-wise, you and I discussed this when you came down to the Delta Soul uh, back a few years ago, but so tell me about that. Uh, Well, when I was playing in the game, of course, I uh, saw a lot of guys I had idolized uh, that played before me. And them coming back uh, to watch us at the uh, Raiders facility, Cincinnati uh, facility, I saw that many of them hadn't prospered after football. Right. So I wanted to make sure that that didn't happen to me. So my deal was to uh, study and apply myself for some things that that I could do after the game was over with because you can only play the game for so long and I played six full season I, I guess it was really uh seven and a half season I was on in reserve for for a year and a half which didn't really count for a season 
uh, a pension season. But I studied the other individuals around me, and I went and during the off season, I would go and sit and talk to different CEOs of companies like the Motorola's, IBM, uh, Control Data, and and Apple there to to see how they were doing things and and wanted to get involved with those deals there. I did get a chance to talk with uh, the Ross Perot's of the world. I uh, had a chance to talk with Sam Walton. I visited with a lot of other successful individuals, and my deal was I wanted to know how can I be like them. And they shared a lot of wisdom with me, and uh, that helped me uh, with my business life. Once I left football, I was told to find a business that's something that everybody else needs. And if they need it and it's a demand, then you get out there and then you perfect that. And you should be successful if you do it the correct way. We're talking Cleo Montgomery. Clee, you know what? The one thing about the music business that uh, because you're thinking so much with your heart and you believe in something, and, and a lot of times it plays in your favor, but a lot of times the big mistake on our end is not learning to quit early. Like when something's not working and you give it another shot and then you give it another shot. Well, you, we've seen success where a song takes 10 years to finally get to to find its wings and record. If you quit on it, you know, quit too early, then you never because you believe in it. But sometimes it can be a detriment in, in our because you can keep chasing the same thing that you could be spending time on something else. And it becomes this incredible juggling act. Right. Of what. You know what balls to throw in the air that day or or that year and in, in, in your lifetime. So with you in business, when you talk to pros and the and you talk to the Waltons of the world and you and you're doing all that, um, was there ever any um, like advice they gave in that regard of knowing when to what's working and or how far to go with something in business? Absolutely, they did. And one of the things, Steve, that they shared with me is that you're only as good as the uh, people that you have surrounded with you, you know. Mm -hmm. And I learned to put a good staff together and understanding that the fact that you can't do it all by yourself if you're going to be successful. Uh, I guess I was told to, I guess one of the examples that I could give, Steve, is if you were doing it as, say, a football coach. Well, the football coach, the head coach, he cannot coach all the position now. He may know all the position, but he cannot coach them all because there's only so much time in a day that he have to coach his team. So he have a quarterback coach, he have an mm -hmm. offensive line coach, he have a tight end coach, a receiver coach, running back coach, defensive line coach, and a defensive back coach. Well, you coach your coaches to coach your, your players. Mm -hmm. And so in a business, it's the same way. In each area of your business, you, you coach your staff to do what you want them to do. And that way, you don't have to try to do it all yourself because there's only so many hours in the day. As long as you have meetings with your staff and you're coaching them on what you want them to do, then you're going to be okay. Uh, you look at uh, Sam Walton. He had so many different Walmarts and Sam. He couldn't be over all of those places at one time. No. I mean, he had to have good management. He had to put a good team together, and he coached his team or his staff to understand his philosophy of what he wanted from them. I love it. We're talking to Cleve Montgomery. So do you even watch football after football? I know a lot of great football players that said I'm enough, but I am noticing that in the game, and, and what do you think about it? Yes, you're absolutely correct. You do have to manage it. 
and I do watch some football. I uh, watch a little more than I used to when I got out the game. It was somewhat tiresome for me, and I was ready to get away from it. Uh, I wasn't too pleased with everything that had gone on because there's there's politics in the game there as yeah. well. It still gets back to who that particular coach like, and they sometimes insert them. There's a lot of great athletes that never get opportunities to, to shine by no means of their own. It's just sometimes being at the right place at the wrong time or right. the wrong place at the right time. Yeah. But, yes, I do watch uh, football, and it is getting uh, uh, a lot of specialists in there. Uh, they do hire a lot of offensive coaches there. But I think the game, too, is that you have too many of the coaches now. They coach by statistics, and they don't coach so much, and they look at size and speed. Right. Speed is good. Size is good sometimes. But you can't measure that person hard. Right. And one of the greatest backs of all time was Barry Sanders. He was only 5'8", 200 pounds. Now, if they would have looked at his, at his size, they would have said he wouldn't excel. If they would have looked at Emmitt uh, uh, Smith, all-time leading rusher, uh, he wouldn't excel. He's only 5'9". So you have to look at that kid work ethic that he have and his determination of where, of where you need to go. And coaches that can identify that, they're going to do well. I think they put too much pressure on the quarterback. The quarterback is only as good as the talent that he has. Right, right. And, and I can give you a prime example of that, Steve, is that when Steve Young was with Tampa Bay, they couldn't win. And I don't think they won more than four or five games his years that he was there, the four or five years mm-hmm. he was there. Steve Young go with the 49ers, and uh, he's Super Bowl champ, and then he become a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Steve didn't get good just when he got the Ford Ananas. He was always good. He just got with the Ford Ananas, and they had a lot of talent around him. Yeah, and a system so in place, right? In yeah. the system that you have to be in. If you're not in a, a great system, it's going to hurt. You cannot compare a kid that catch 100 passes and say that he's better than the one that caught 50 because the one that caught 50, his team probably didn't throw the ball as much or he wasn't targeted as much, or they was winning the games and they didn't have to throw the ball. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, 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 I think numbers now is overrated. And to me, I said numbers are for losing teams. I don't care if I didn't have but 150 yards on the offense, but we won the game 21-7. to 7. Numbers doesn't matter. Time of possession doesn't matter if you won the game. Right. That is for losing team. Yeah, I love it. We're talking to Cleve Montgomery. I'm learning all sorts of stuff, which I need to this time of the day and at this point in my life. You're in a Mississippi Minute in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studios. We'll be right back. All the way back to 1943, Guarantee Bank has grown from offering the basic banking services and products to serving customers with a comprehensive, complete line of expertise and products only expected at much larger institutions. We are proud to be your local big-time bank. So when you're looking for a bank you can truly depend on and trust, and like me so many years ago trying to find my way around, let Guarantee Bank with its 17 convenient locations, help you on your journey and become a wonderful addition to your family like they have mine for over 30 years. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. 
with my pal Clee Montgomery. Cleota, Cleo, you've been called a lot of things. Your name's gotten shorter. I'm just plain old Steve. <laughs> As you got older, Cleo. <laughs> yes. You know, you know, Steve, it was it was always Cleota in high school. Yeah, I it remember. Was, it, was, it was Cleo around the house, but it was Cleota in high school. I go out to college, and they uh, start calling me Clee because my brother Wibber was calling me Clee, so the announcer started calling me Clee. And uh, when I got to the pros with Cincinnati, they saw uh, uh, Cleota, and they cut it to Cleo. I said, well, that ain't going to work. <laughs> I knew too many girls. I knew too many girls named Cleo. <laughs> and I'm calling you Cleo because that's what I've always, you know, I guess, well, I knew Cleotha and I knew Cleo, so I didn't know the Aber- the Aberlane Christian days. I didn't know anybody ever called you Clee, and I wasn't around the household. So uh, <laughs> I better get it right. I'm going to start calling you Clee the rest of the way. <laughs> that would be fine, Steve. I, I, it, it's all good, but. Most of the time, you could tell if it's from high school, they say Cleota. So I know if somebody calls, say, hey, is this Cleota? Yeah. I know it's high school. <laughs> All right, let's, <laughs> let's talk about high school. Let's go back because I'm sitting here trying to understand. I mean, come on, the family athletically. Uh, I, I, I can't remember the spread of you guys, and I can't remember where you fell. For some reason, I always felt like you were third, you third in line. That's correct. Okay, I'm close. I okay. Am. okay, All right. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, be at Greenville High. That's um, right. Take me back. What was it? I mean, do you, did your dad play in the NFL? Was he this incredible? Your mom, maybe sometimes your mom's a better athlete than the dad. But <laughs> but, but you think about the genetic chances. They're like zero. What was it like in y'all's household? I got to understand. Well, yes, uh, it, was, uh, it was 10 boys and two girls. And my older brother was effort, and he played at Coleman High before they integrated the school. And he was the role model to us, and he set he set uh, uh, he set the pay uh, the payments for us to you know to father. He was good in every sports, whether that was football, basketball, baseball, or track. And so we played on the school ground of, of Juliel Armstrong, and that's all we knew because. There wasn't enough food in the house, so we had to go and play sports, you know, there so we can quit thinking about food. Wow. But my older brother, he, he kind of like uh, was everybody role model in the family there. Uh, his name was Alfred, and uh, he passed away uh, nine years ago. Mm. But he's the one that set the role model because he was able to do it all, and, and Wilbur and I followed up behind him. He was uh, uh, four and six years older than us, respectively. And uh, he ended up... Uh, going to college and play football at, at Moorhead, and uh, he dislocated his shoulder there uh, his freshman year, and then he went on just to run track at Russ and uh, got his degree from there. But Wilbur and I uh, played on the playground. We had multiple friends that assist us on becoming who we are today. Uh, you alluded to the fact that we had four that played in the NFL, and that's true, but there were my brother Jerry who played in the USFL. Well, that's right. And, that's right. And, and Jerry played in the USFL, and Lenny had the opportunity to play as well, but he turned it down and took a job with McDonald Douglas. So from the 10 boys, nine of us went to school on, on football scholarship. Uh, five of us played professional football, and I think we had two or three others that probably could have, have uh, played had they not got injured there. But we were from Greenville, and, and we were proud to be from Greenville and because we had 
good coaches there as well. Uh, the early years at uh, Greenville High, and prior, prior to that at Colvin High, you know, Coach Wellaby and Coach McRae and Coach Moore, you know. Yeah. Uh, they set the pace for us there, and we go over to Greenville High, and Coach Dempsey and Coach Paul and Coach Washington, they were outstanding coaches and uh, role models, and Coach Dempsey made Wibble and I believe that we could take it further than just college there. Uh, he took time out with us over the weekend and would take us to some of the college games, whether that was at Mississippi Valley State, whether that was at Alcorn or Jackson State or Delta State or Mississippi State or Ole Miss. He took us around to see games on the weekend to make us believe that we could play on that level. Wow. And from doing that, he gave us the confidence that we could excel at the next level. And after we got there, of course, uh, we made sure that the – the brothers would get their work because schoolwork was important yeah. and then move on to the next level there as well. And after getting to college and the pros myself, I saw that a lot of great athletes, they were all American themselves, Steve, but they couldn't make it because there was only 45 positions that was available. We would keep four receivers, but we would start the camp with 20. And all 20 wow. of those guys was all American. So... It was difficult uh, to make those teams, just to make those teams. And so a lot of great guys went home, and I saw that, Wilbur saw that. So we tried to make sure that the youngest brother got their degrees as well as trying to excel at the next level because you can only play that game for so long. And when I turned 30 years old, they would start calling me old man. (laughs) (laughs) So... It, it, you can only play it so long, so you have to have something to fall back on. And unfortunately for a lot of the players, they didn't have their degrees and didn't have that to fall back on. And like I said, it became a business. And a lot of college nowadays, see they enroll some of the kids in courses to keep them eligible. Not courses that's going to help them graduate, but the courses that keep them eligible yeah. to, play, to play that game. And I don't think that's fair because they need to set a goal and saying that every player that come there to play sports, they need to stay there until they get their degree. Because sometimes it takes more than four years for many of them. I was fortunate enough, it took me three and a half years. But many of them, it takes five and six years to graduate. So that's, that's an interesting point that you talk about. You, people get left short and they think they've got football for the rest of their lives and, and all of a sudden they, they're done and it doesn't work out and then they don't have their degree. That's true. That's true, Steve. And and I think the NC uh, the NCAA probably need to be a little more lenient on their rules about the grades there because they go all the way back when a kid is a freshman. He may be 14 years old, and at that time he or she probably doesn't even know that they're going to participate in sports. And as a 14 year old, sometimes they just get enough to move on to the next grade. That's a good whether one. that's a whether that's a C. Whether that's a D, but they looking to move further along. Then sometimes when they get to where the kids, the two kids at St. Joseph's are, you know, their junior and senior year, they they see they have potential. Now they understand that I I need this uh, two point eight or three point grade point average to go. Right. But if as a freshman and sophomore you only had a two point, now it's difficult to get that up to a two point eight or three point uh, to move uh, to move forward. Mm-hmm. So that goes back as far as a freshman year. 
and sometimes that can hurt. I think if they look at their junior and senior year, it should be better because their kid, him or her themselves, is more mature and doesn't need the push of a parent or grandparents to say, get your lesson, your lesson to exceed if you, want to, you know, if you want to excel to the next level. So going back to a freshman, I think it's a bit harsh mm-hmm. because at that time the kid is not mature enough to understand. That's a great point. So, those two kids at, at St. Joseph now, they are great athletes. I have seen a lot of tape of them. I just recommend, and I hope their parents too, is don't get caught up in the hype of trying to let them go to a Division One school that sometimes always finishing in the top, you know, 20 or 10 in the nation. Because a lot of five-star athletes, they get lost in the shuffle because they used to playing. Those two kids at St. Joseph's used to being, being the guys, and they used to start. They go to Alabama, or they go to LSU, or they go to Clemson, or they go to Auburn, or Ohio State, or Oklahoma, Oregon. They may get lost in that shuffle there because guess what? When you go there as a freshman, you have fifth-year seniors. Yeah. And you may sit the bench, and you may be on that, on that scout team, which they never had to do before. Mm-hmm. And at 18 years old, and you that way back forth from home, and all the success that they have had at St. Joseph, now it seems like a distant memory to them. Right. And and they just another regular athlete now because uh, the talent that those top tier schools that have now to go to a school like a, a Delta State or not to put Ole Miss or Mississippi State down, but they're top notch programs there as well. They have a better chance. A, a plan maybe when they become a sophomore or junior, more so than when they go to the Alabamas of the world right? and, and the Clemson. So they have to select the correct schools so they don't get lost in the shuffle because those top schools, Alabama is so deep, they all they get is top star athletes, LSU, Clemson, so you get Oregon. So you can get you can get lost in that shuffle. And you go there and you're that far from home and you don't have mama's support or your friend's support. You get homesick, you're not playing. You drop out of school. We're with Clee Montgomery. Clee, you get to play uh, DJ. We are the birthplace of American music. We can argue about Texas Friday Night Lights versus Mississippi or whatever, <laughs> but you know as well as I do, when it came to music, we're it. So would you like to hear Dorothy Moore or Conway Twitty? Let's go with Conway Twitty. I love it. I love it. We're, we are with Clee Montgomery. He's in parts somewhere in Texas, and I'm in parts somewhere in Mississippi in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studios. Time to hear a little Conway. What I'm trying to say is I love you and I miss you and I'm so sorry that I did you wrong. Look up, darling. Let me kiss you just for old time's sake. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Here we go. Steve Azar, I'm wearing Clee Montgomery out. Known as Cleotha when he was growing up. Was a big fan of his family. 
and all he did for putting help put Greenville, our hometown, on the map. It was just a thrill to be a kid growing up and and just just getting to root for these guys, and it was just awesome, you know, especially watching how they climb climb the ladder. Okay, Clee, you go to what was it at Aberlean Christian that? attracted you and Wilbert. Was there any more family members that went there? What was it? A coach? What was it? Oh my gosh, Steve, that's, this is a story I guess that everybody needs to hear. <laughs> Wilbert, of course, was very shy in high school, Steve, and uh, in the classroom and, and anywhere around. You could, If you were able to get more than high and buy from Wilbert, you were extremely lucky. <laughs> so, so Wilbert's uh, uh, senior year, he, every coach that came into town that caught him at the school, <laughs> he signed a scholarship with them. Wilbert had signed about eight different scholarships. <laughs> <laughs> he signed with, he had signed with Jackson State. He had signed with Abilene Christian. He had signed with the University of Arkansas. He had signed with Oklahoma. He had signed with Nebraska, uh, North Carolina, Kansas. And our deal was we were going to make a pack and we were going to go to OU. Wilbur and I was planning on going to Oklahoma because they was running the wishbone. And we had the opportunity to be in the backfield together. And at that time, uh, Wilbur's senior year, they had a running back named Greg Pruitt, and they had another running back named Joe Washington. Greg Pruitt would have left. Wilbur would have moved right in and took uh, Greg Pruitt's spot at Oklahoma. And Joe Washington was a year or so behind him. So, like myself, I would have gotten there, and so we thought we could be the two backs there at Oklahoma. But Jackson State, Steve, saw uh, right before the season, uh, teams or schools had put out their signees, and they saw Wilbur's name on multiple uh, college lists. So Jackson State came down a week early, got Wilbur, and they took him back to Jackson State. And while he was at Jackson State, that he was there for a couple of days, and they saw he looked on the depth chart, and they saw him playing behind Walter Payton. <laughs> <laughs> but when they signed him, Steve, they told him that he and Walter would be in the backfield together. Wow. But but when he got there, he looked at their depth chart. They hit him behind Walter, and he goes, that ain't going to happen. So <laughs> my cousin, <laughs> Lee Percy Brady, was coming back to Greenville. He was attending Jackson State, of course, with Charles Brady. Uh, he was coming back home from Jackson, and Wilbur got a ride from him home that Saturday. He got on the phone. He called OU, Steve. Wasn't anyone there on that Saturday. He called Arkansas. There wasn't anyone there. He called Nebraska. There wasn't anyone there. <laughs> he called Kansas. Wasn't anyone there. <laughs> he ended up calling Abilene Christian, Steve, and there was a coach there. Don Smith was watching film. And Weber shared the information with him. He got on the jet, and he flew down to uh, Greenville and picked Weber up. Now, you may remember this. We used to have Gibson discount stores. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Gibson family also had attended Abilene Christian. You know, they have a history of going to Abilene Christian. Ah. Uh, the, you know, the daughters, granddaughters, and stuff like that. So they were able to get on that Gibson jet, <laughs> go down to Abilene, pick Wilbur up, and took him back to uh, Abilene. And, of course, Jackson State came down two days later to try to get him, but Abilene Christian said, we're called the NCAA if you guys don't leave. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a jet. <laughs> yes. So my deal was, I said, oh, no, that wasn't a pack. I'm not going to Abilene Christian. <laughs> and my mother, of course, uh, wanted me to go down there because even though Wilbur were the oldest in it, I was always seen like I was the, the big brother because Wilbur was the shy one, wouldn't, wouldn't speak very much. So I had to go to Abilene Christian because mother asked me to go to Abilene Christian where Wilbur was. 
Wow. And to this day, Steve, that was probably the best move I, I ever ever made because during my recruiting trips then it was unlimited and I went to I went to more than fifteen different schools and I saw how you know, the partying that was going on and all the great times that they were having there, you know, and I'm thinking, Okay, man, it's gonna be great at OU or Nebraska or Kansas and those places. I think had I gone there I probably wouldn't have graduated. Uh probably would have made the pros but didn't have life after pros. When I got to Abilene Christian, it became mostly academic, and I was blessed to be around a lot of different uh, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies that allowed me to come over to their house and look at their business and see how they operated and prepare me for life after football. Wow. And so it was a blessing, I think, to me and Wilbur, too, to go there and the rest of my family, the things that I learned that I was able to share with them. So it was a truly a blessing of uh, how we ended up in Abilene and how, if I had to do it all over again and know what I know now, I'd do the same thing all over again. So Abilene Christian, is it? A, what division was it in? Or it was, uh, back then? yes, it's Division One now, but it was uh, Division Two when we got there. Okay, so Delta State size. And so that, that amazed, I mean, think about back then, how many D2 school athletes were making it in the pros? Absolutely, you know, but not only that, they do, they go after a lot of the, the, the athletes from larger schools, but as you know, Steve, the lead receiver, the all-time lead receiver is Jerry Rice, and he's from Mississippi Valley State. We they probably don't him. even have, they probably don't have <laughs> 2,000 students. No, that's true. The all-time leading rusher for a long time was Walter Payton. He's from Jackson State. Yeah, you're right. Oh, no, we know that. I mean, you had Aaron McNair, you, had, you know, Steve, you had, you know, obviously Favre went to uh, Southern, which is a bigger school, but... Um, mm-hmm. but Doug you, William. Doug, oh, he was incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. And yeah. then uh, you, you guys went to school with Jimmy Giles. Wasn't he, wasn't he from here? Yeah, d- yeah. At, at Greenville yeah. High. Yes, talked to Jimmy just last week. Jimmy was from Greenville High, and again, sometime athletes, they, they blossom late. Jimmy Giles wasn't even on the starting team in high school. You know, he played second team tight end. Oh, come on. <laughs> in high school, you know, even on our state championship team, he, wasn't, he was not even the starter, you know. Wow. And so he go down to Alcorn and play baseball and football, and he ended up going to pro in, in football, but he excelled in, uh, in baseball, you know. Yeah, he was a big, big old tight end, played for Tampa Bay, if I remember right. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely, you know. Okay, Absolutely. when do you make the transition from tailback to wide receiver? And obviously, you kick returning. You probably did that your whole life. Uh, but but what made you decide to do that? Where <laughs> where in your transition? And did were you upset about it a little bit because you you know you don't get the ball as much? Yeah, the deal was pretty much you know in high school you know and I I must give Coach Dempster the credit for this because we ran wishbone in high school. We ran from the I and we ran from the pro set. So Coach Dempsey would put me out when we was in the I formation. I played wide receiver. When we would go to the wishbone, he put me in the backfield with Wilbur as a tailback. So I played mother position in high school and also a defensive back. So when I went to Abilene Christian, really, I thought I wanted to be a defensive back. You know, I was running 4-2-40s. I wanted to be a defensive back. But there was no way that they were having that, so they definitely put me at the wide receiver. And so... After getting to Abilene playing wide receiver, and Wilbur was the tailback, and when Wilbur needed a breather, they would switch me to the tailback and move in another receiver. So I played tailback in college as well. Right. And Wilbur, my freshman year, Wilbur went down 
I think, about the uh, fifth game of the season. And so he was out for the rest of the year. So they moved me over to the running back spot after Wilbert had gone down. And I made first team all conference as a running back, mm-hmm. you know, end up uh, averaging about nine yards a carry. My gosh. Uh, in, in the last uh, six games, I think I rushed for close to 800 yards there. And so I had that running back ability there. When Weber came back the next year, I went back to wide receiver. And when he would need a breather, then they would bring me in that tailback. So get you were doing it pro- all. You were just doing it all. <laughs> I was just I was blessed there. And, and so when I got to training camp, uh, first when I got to training camp with uh, Denver, uh, I said, you know what? That I was the wide receiver there. And in practice, you're correct. You don't get a lot of targets. And so my deal is that I'm not getting the ball enough. So I said, you know what, let me go to the backfield. And I know I'm going to get a lot of touches. So when I went to the backfield with Denver, I done extremely well. And Otis Armstrong was one of the tailbacks there. And he said, wow. He said, I've never seen a thing like it before. And hmm. so because I was new at the tailback, Denver tried to slip me through the waiver because they had three other tailbacks. They didn't want to have to cut anybody. They did have Lunch McCutcheon. He was the older tailback at that time. Mm-hmm. And Rod Lava, they had Rod Lava and Dave Preston. So they thought because I was going to be a rookie, they could slip me through the waiver. Well, it didn't work because that preseason when we played against Cincinnati, I had rushed for 180 yards against Cincinnati, returned a punt back for a touchdown. So the minute they slipped me through waiver, Tom Jackson, you know, he's on uh, – He's on uh, prime time with uh, Chris Berman. Mm-hmm. He said, that ain't going to work. He ain't going to make it. <laughs> and I didn't make it through waiver, and I go to Cincinnati. They picked me up, <laughs> and I didn't want to go, but I didn't know that I had to go. <laughs> and so I ended up going to Cincinnati, yeah. and when I got to Cincinnati, they didn't know how to use me. They put me at wide receiver, so I played wide receiver, then they put me at tailback. And there we had Archer Griffin, the two-time Heisman. Yeah, but he didn't, he didn't pan out in the NFL. He didn't pan out because they drafted Charles Ed Examiner from LSU. Uh-huh. And so they had me playing behind Isaac Curtis. You know, he's perimeter all pro. Yeah. And so uh, uh, from there, I ended up getting traded to, uh, to, the, to the Raiders. We are with Clee Montgomery. He's in parts somewhere in Texas. You're in a Mississippi Minute to keep Mississippi beautiful studios. We'll be right back. Thousands of Bulldog fans have subscribed to the Thunder and Lightning podcast. Have you? On each episode, Brian Haydad and Joel Coleman give you an inside look at your Mississippi State Bulldogs. The Thunder and Lightning podcast is free and available on demand at supertalk.fm and on your smartphone. Just search for Thunder and Lightning on iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thunder and Lightning from Supertalk Mississippi. Covering the Bulldogs like no one else. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Flying down that levee road, trying to see how fast you go. I got we are with Clee Montgomery. He's in parts somewhere in Texas to keep Mississippi beautiful studios. From roaming the fields of Greenville High with speed. In the NFL where he was a wide receiver and kick return specialist for six seasons, including a Super Bowl win, it was always a thrill for me. And when I get with the Raiders, I'm thinking, okay, now I'm going to be ready to go. I said, I know I need to touch the ball more because my brother Wibble was excelling. He's a tailback. 
and he's getting a lot of touches. And once you get those touches, you can show what you can do as a wide receiver. You're not in control because the quarterback has to throw you that ball. Right. And so in the backfield, they just hand it out to you. So as I went to the tailback with the Raiders there, uh, right when I get there, I pull a hamstring. And I was out for about eight weeks. Oh. And I come back the last two games of the season. And so they were telling me that I would be the, the starting back coming into the season there because of my speed and my quickness. And so they was going to use me at the tailback. And they was going to draft some offensive linemen around me and uh, because they was excited about my speed. And uh, guess what? When the draft rolled around, Marcus Allen was still out there <laughs> at the 17th. <17th. laughs> so we weren't planning on taking a running back because I was holding the back. But Marcus, the Heisman, rushed for over 2,500 yards at yeah. NC. Yeah. So they selected him. And I'm saying, I can't believe this. <laughs> and so they told me that, well, in training camp, we both was playing tailback. And, and they told me they used me more as the passing down back. And then we found out Marcus had great hands as well. Yeah. So – uh, then they moved me out to wide receiver. Now I'm playing behind the perimeter pro now, Cliff Branch. Yeah, and you and had so uh, Belitnikov, right? Was he still there, or was he retired? Freddie had, Fred, Freddie had left. He had played. He was in the Canadian okay. League, finishing oh, okay. up his, uh, his okay. deal in the Canadian League. So they wanted me to play the X receiver because the X receiver normally get the man-to-man cover, and the X receiver normally run the deep route. The speed guy play the X. Yeah, the uh, flanker normally, uh, you know, he's the possession receiver there. So I had to go to the X behind Clifford, and then so I'm going back and forth between running back and wide receiver there. And uh, uh, the thing about it was, Cliff Branch was Al Davis, the owner, godson. Come on, <laughs> I never knew that. And and the current owners now, Mark Davis. Well, he and Cliff Branch was roommates. Um, and he was Cliff's agent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that didn't work out for you too well. <laughs> so it was it was kind of a political deal there, but I worked hard in practice, and Al Davis rewarded me uh, for working hard in practice and not talking because all my teammates thought at that time I should have been the starter over Clifford because he was older at that time, but it was a little political deal involved with that. So I just thought I need to be patient and wait my turn, and, that never really happened. It happened for me in practice, but Al Davis brought me in there, and he paid me like I was a starter, Steve. So it worked out well because That's I cool. was getting starter money even though I was not the starter there, you know. That's so cool. I mean, that that that, that makes that makes me feel even better about that about him. Right. Who was kicking was, the field goals? Ray was there. We had Mark Wilson. You know, he was BYU. He had come from BYU. Okay. Three for all those, you know, thousands of yards. I mean, four or 5,000 yards back then. Uh, he backed up Plunkett. And then you yes. had Lester Hayes with all the stick on stuff, right? We had Lester Hayes. <laughs> you know, he should be in the Hall of Fame as well. I mean, he was the defensive player of the year. One year, led the league in interception, went yeah. all pro, seven years. Then we had Mike Haynes, who was in the Hall of Fame, on the other cornerback, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had Ted Hendricks. We had Howie Long. We were loaded. <laughs> Man. I mean, so when y'all – so. Was there ever a thought that you'd be playing against Philadelphia and your brother in the Super Bowl, ever? I mean, I know it's hard getting to a Super Bowl, but did that ever yeah. come close to happening? It, it did. It was unbelievable how, how, how we missed each other, you know, because Wilbur and the Eagles played in the 1980 Super Bowl against the Raiders. That's the year I was with Cincinnati. The following year, I came to the Raiders and uh, missed the Super Bowl by one year, the year that Wilbur had played against them in the Super Bowl. Of course, we went back a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. Eagles never made it back. 
But had I gotten with uh, the Raiders at the beginning of that of that 1980 season, we would have played against each other in the Super Bowl, you know. Wow. Wow. That's so we missed it by a year. Well, it sounds like you and me were a little bit more alike, though. I'm more talkative than you. My middle, my older brother, who's a chief of staff at Campbell's Clinic in Memphis, he's he's uh, he was the quiet one, and so I had to talk a lot for him. And he, if he's listening, which he probably is, he's probably doing surgery. But but he's uh, he, I drove him so much crazy. That I entertained him so much. That when he'd have surgery or something like on an appendicitis, they wouldn't let me in the room because I was always trying to make him laugh or, you know, whatever. So, uh, but then, you know, I always never forget, everybody had, we finally had everybody, when we got a little older, we went and lived in my mom and dad's house on Fairview, right by Greenville High, where my dad grew up. And uh, we all had our own bedrooms, but he liked to stay in my bedroom. So I used to go, well, if you don't want me talking, then why are you here? You know, so, but he could, he could whip up on me. So I didn't say that just like that. <laughs> Anyway, listen, buddy, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. It's so great catching up, and um, we we got to get you to come. We know it's hard, but we got to get you to come to the Delta Soul again this year. We missed you, and we've we've closing in on the million-dollar mark of giving, and you started it with us, and um, we'll, I'll, I'll reach out to you. But uh, thanks for taking the time, and uh, Greenville misses the Montgomery family. I can tell you that. Well, thank you, Steve, for having me, and my uh, brother John and Tyrone and Fred, and so tell you hello. I love it. Tell them hello. All right, brother. Take good care. You too. Enjoy. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. The news doesn't sleep, and neither do we. Fox News Radio. Late breaking. Up to the minute. From around the world. Around the clock. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.